Hi, my name is Lakundo, if we've never met before, and today we kick off our series in the book of Galatians. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be diving into this book really deeply, doing a chapter each week to really learn and understand what this book has to say to us and what the Lord is speaking to us. Now, there's also like a really cool study guide that comes along with this series. So there'll either be a link in the description somewhere or you'll get a paper copy. But either way, look out for how to grab hold of that so you can use it in your connect groups or your huddles or with friends or however you would like to. But it's a tool to help us dive deeper into this book in the next few weeks so we can really get the most out of it. So today I'm simply going to give an overview of the book to hopefully whet our appetite and begin to stir up questions as we encourage one another to dive deeper into this book. So the book of Galatians, it's actually a letter and it's important to remember that it's a letter to the Galatians from the apostle Paul. Now, whenever we read letters in the New Testament, we have to remember it's like essentially reading somebody else's mail. So say, for example, you were cleaning out the attic or the basement and you found a bunch of old letters and you got curious. Maybe they were from the previous owners or an old relative, but you begin to read them. You look for the date. Maybe it's dated in like the 1950s. Maybe the paper is all brownish looking and old and the handwriting is in a fountain pen and you begin to get curious. What was the situation? Who were these two people corresponding? Were they friends? Were they separated? What was going on? You begin to think, what was happening in the 1950s? What countries were they in? What was the situation? And you try as much as possible to almost immerse yourself into their context, like an old movie, so that you can understand what was going on. Now, it's the same approach we take when we read the letters in the New Testament. What was happening in their historical context? What year was it? What was the culture like? What was the situation into which the letter was being written into? All these things help us understand the message in the context of that day and that culture so that we can apply the same principles of that message into our culture in our day. And so it's really important to understand the historical context of the letters as we read them. It's also interesting to note that just the same way we write letters and there's a particular format to them, there's also a format to the letters in the New Testament. So when we write letters, we have the two addresses. I always get mixed up as to whether my address goes on the right or the left, whichever way. One address goes on the top right, the other address goes on the left. Then there's the date, then there's the dear, or however else you open it. The main body, yours sincerely, faithfully, the most appropriate way to close, and your name. In the New Testament letters, we find there is an opening. Usually it's who the letter is from, who the letter is to. Then there's a prayer of thanksgiving. And then you have the main body of the text, which is the main message. And then comes a conclusion. And usually in the conclusion, there's either journey notices or thanks or final instructions or some kind of remarks or greetings to people. And that's generally the type of structure we find in the letters of the New Testament. And so let's dive into Galatians and look, apply those things as we begin to look at the overview of the book. So if you've got your Bible, now's a good time to turn to Galatians chapter one. And this book, this letter, 
was written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in the region of Galatia, that is modern day Turkey, in we think was about 48 AD. Now, he starts off with the opening. He says who it's from and who it's to, but even in the opening, there's a little clue as to what he's about to address in this letter. See if you can pick that up over the next few weeks as we dive into that. And then there's a short prayer, grace to you, but then in verse six, he dives straight in and rebukes them. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and returning to a different gospel. So already we can see Paul is not wasting any time in this letter. There's clearly something he wants to address that he's passionate and not very happy about. It's clearly something very, very serious. And the Galatians, the church in Galatia, seem to be listening to a different gospel. And he uses quite strong language in this letter. Later on, he says, you guys are foolish. And he says, the way you're behaving, it's as though someone has put a spell on you, like you are bewitched. And to the people who are causing the problems, he wishes that they would emasculate themselves. It's quite strong language that he uses as he addresses the situation in Galatia. But it's not because Paul is just mean. It's because Paul is absolutely passionate about the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he gives his life for. As you read all of Paul's letters, it's really evident that his whole life is laid out for the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's also because Paul absolutely loves the church. He says later on he's in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in them. And so he's rebuking them out of love. He's rebuking them because he wants to see them grow and become fully mature in Christ. That's the passion with which Paul is writing this letter to the churches. And so a bit of background on the historical context. The gospel first came to the Jewish people, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then the gospel began to spread outwards, which was always God's plan. You will preach this gospel in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. And so as this gospel began to spread further from the Jewish people, um, problems came up in culture and how they lived. And so if you flip back to Acts chapter 15, we see the council of Jerusalem and they were having all these debates because some Jewish believers were saying, well, the Gentiles have to be circumcised in order to be saved because this is what we do as Jewish people. But then they decided, no, actually, that's, that's they all decided the council, that's not necessary because that's not what Jesus came preaching. And so Paul had planted some churches in Galatia and he then moved on to plant churches elsewhere. But while he had moved on, some of these Jewish believers started the same problems in the churches in Galatia, saying they had to be circumcised, the, the Gentile believers had to be circumcised, they had to follow laws of Torah, observe certain days, eat certain foods, blah, 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 blah. And so Paul is writing to them and he's very upset because this is not the gospel that he preached. And so he responds in the, the main thrust of his letter is responding um, to this. And so if we go to chapter two and verse 15, he says this, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, 
because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And then he goes on to say in verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. This gospel, this alternative gospel that they were preaching was essentially undermining the work of the cross. It was putting their salvation and their entering into the family of God based on their works, their circumcision, their outer acts. But Paul is saying it's by faith in Jesus that we are made right with God, not by the outward um, things that we do, not by following Torah, but by putting our faith in Jesus who followed Torah perfectly and gave himself as a sacrifice for us. And that's how we get to be saved. That's how we enter into the family of God's people. And so he was very upset because it was completely undermining what Jesus had said and what Jesus had done. This alternate alternate gospel of them that they were preaching. You might be able to think even now about certain things you may have heard or certain aspects of culture that have been infiltrated into the gospel that actually undermine what Christ has done. It's the same in our day. There are things that can creep in that seem right and seem helpful, but they're not really because they undermine what Jesus came to do. And so Paul is really passionate about this point and he makes this statement here. And the implications of this are that you don't have to belong to a certain people group in order to be saved, who follow certain customs, because the gospel is for everybody. It's for all nations. So you can't make people behave like a certain um, culture or people group because it's absolutely for everyone. And so what this looks like then is that it's much broader. The scope of the gospel is, is broader. And essentially, they were reducing the power and the scope of the gospel. And so he goes back to the scriptures in order to explain this further. And he says in chapter three, verse five to nine, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. See how he opens it up there. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The gospel preached to all nations for everyone. He goes back to explain this was always God's original intention even before the law. And as we read on in the book of Galatians, Paul goes on to explain that the law was for a time. And when Jesus came, things changed. Now it's not that the law was bad in and of itself because Jesus summarizes the law in love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul. And then he says, the next is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law is summarized in this teaching and Jesus teaches this. Jesus came fulfilling all the law perfectly, which we couldn't do. Time and time again, the people of God tried to live up to his standards, but couldn't. And so the law in itself could not bring righteousness. It could not put us in right standing with God. Therefore, Jesus came fulfilling the law and enabling us to be righteous by believing in Jesus. And as we believe in Jesus, he gives us his spirit 
who enables us to love the Lord with all our heart, our strength, our soul, and to love our neighbor as ourself. It's only by the power of the Spirit of God that we are then able to walk in his ways, just as the prophet Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel 36, 27. He said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It was always God's intention to send his spirit to enable us to be the people of God, to be the people he called us to be. And that's what Paul is trying to hit here as we look further, particularly in chapter five of the letter. It's by the spirit. And it's the spirit of God that produces the fruit of the spirit in us as we keep in step with him. He encourages the believers to keep walking in step with the spirit. And that's how you fulfill the law of God, to love your neighbor as yourself and love God with everything that you have. This is the promise. And because God has called this big family of people from all nations and all tribes and every tongue, it's the spirit that enables us to live together in unity as one body. The spirit enables us as we keep in step with him to bear one another's burdens, to look out for one another as we become the people of God and therefore display him to the rest of the world. And that's just an overview of what the book, um, the letter to the Galatians from Paul is all about. And so my prayer for, we, for us as we continue over these next few weeks is that we would really gain such a hunger and a passion to discover and learn more about God's word and not just God's word in one book, but how this book fits into the whole narrative of the Bible, because it's so important to know that even Paul, when he describes things, goes back to um, the scriptures of the Old Testament that we have now. Those are the only scriptures he had. But we can see that the message of the gospel is all found in the Old Testament. And so there's so much for us to discover, so much for us to explore. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes as we dive into this during the weeks to come. God bless you.